0: After consultation with his lawyer, he wanted to go further. He wanted to protect any increase in value of a separate property as well. Again, the law provided that Bill could keep the property inherited from his father as his exclusive property. Under the law, if an asset is exempt from distribution because it was inherited or acquired before the marriage, increases in the value of that asset are also exempt if the result of the increases are the result of market forces. Let's say, for example, you own 100 shares of IBM before you get married. After the marriage, IBM goes from $100 a share to $200 a share. The increase in value is still separate property and not subject to distribution. The problem that worried Bill was the increase in value of an asset as the result of active forces. If Bill's business was worth $300,000 on the day of the marriage, and during the marriage by virtue of creativity and hard work, Bill built the business so that it was worth $700,000, the increase in value that is the product of his active endeavors would be subject to equitable distribution. This does not mean that Ann would automatically be entitled to half. Equitable distribution does not mandate equal division of marital assets. It simply means that Ann, who at Bill's request was foregoing a career to be a homemaker, would be entitled to part of the value his energy had created. This was the entitlement Bill wanted to eliminate in the agreement and his lawyer limited the agreement to this objective, Bill might have been able to sell Anne on the idea. But the lawyer decided to protect all of Bill's possible interests by drafting an agreement much broader in scope. First, the agreement provided that all separate property of any kind and from any source would remain the separate property of the party who brought it into the marriage. Anne had no assets. This clause gave Bill no protection he did not already have. His pre-owned property, as well as any future inheritance, was already protected as a matter of law. Then the agreement provided that any increase in the value of the property, whether from passive market forces or from the active energies of the parties, would also remain separate property. Further. The agreement provided that any property acquired by either party from any source would remain the separate property of the party who acquired it. This second provision was ambitious. Assets acquired by either party after the marriage begins are marital property unless acquired by inheritance or gift. Specifically, any income earned during the marriage is marital property. But the clause drafted by Bill's lawyer excluded from distribution any assets acquired during the marriage. Because Bill was the only income earner, everything he earned would remain his and Ann would be entitled to nothing. Then Bill's lawyer turned to the subject of alimony. If the parties were married for a while and then divorced, Ann, who was totally dependent on Bill, would have been entitled to alimony. So, the prenuptial contained a clause in which Ann waived her right to receive alimony. If the couple divorced after 20 years because Bill had taken up with his young secretary, Anne, according to the agreement, would get absolutely nothing. Then, to add insult to injury, Bill's lawyer added a clause to eliminate Ann's right to part of Bill's estate if he died. Bill was now protected, debtor Anne in either case would be entitled to nothing. What the lawyer did not anticipate was that the prenuptial agreement would also be interpreted as Bill's emotional message to Anne. Even though it went beyond Bill's original intention, Anne was unable to distinguish between the message implicit in the agreement and what Bill said he intended. The practical effect of the agreement was to render her powerless within the marriage since she would have absolutely no recourse to receive any money from bill if things did not work out bill could throw her out at any time for any reason and not give her a dime Anne was devastated then she became furious.